Today's show is brought to you by Of A Kind, an online shop for emerging design. For more information, visit ofakind.com. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, visit heritageradionetwork.org for thousands more. And welcome to After the Jump. I'm your host, Grace Bonney, and today we're coming to you live from Roberta's in Bushwick, Brooklyn. Starting this week, you can listen to After the Jump live every Wednesday at 1 p.m. on heritageradionetwork.org or download the podcast on iTunes anytime. All season, I've been focusing on topics that cover the larger issues facing the creative community and small businesses at large. We've discussed productivity, social media, inspiration, creative blocks, finding your voice, and ways to embrace change. Change has been the underlying theme of every show, because this year I felt the need to embrace the changing face of the online world more than ever. While these changes seem most apparent in the advances we've seen in technology and the tools we have available as artists and business owners, there's been an even more subtle shift happening in the way we view and define not just our businesses, but ourselves. A few weeks ago, my wife Julia and I attended a pop-up sale organized by a local blog called Green Pointers. While we were there browsing booths of handmade cards, food, and jewelry, we bumped into our friend Jessica Reed. Jessica is a designer who makes beautiful embroidered uh, book covers. She's also a baker and the author of an incredibly handy new self-published book called The Baker's Appendix, which you can pick up on her Etsy shop. And she also spends her days working for Penguin Publishing. When we got to Jessica's booth, she had business cards for the taking that kind of blew me away. They said, hello, my name is Jessica Reed. Today I am. And then one big long line that she could fill in to say anything she wanted. It made me smile because when I asked her about her cards, she explained confidently that her skills and experience encompassed a wide range of areas, and those cards really best expressed how she wanted to present herself that day. While some people might find that sort of difficult to explain or even a bit risky, I find that that sort of open-minded job title is exciting and liberating when done correctly and with the experience to back it up. Today's workplace, especially in the creative community, presents itself with so many opportunities to learn new skills and get experience in a wide range of areas. The idea of doing the same job or working for the same company for 30 years is no longer expected or even a possibility due to the changing nature of our work climate and the up and down financial situation we're all facing. So rather than see this as a challenge, I decided to reach out to people to see what this new flexibility meant to them. Was it liberating? Was it terrifying? Or was it a little bit of both? So today I'm joined by Susan Brinson, art director, stylist, and blogger of House of Brinson. Since I've known Susan, I've seen her launch an incredible blog, build a major presence online, along with her husband and business partner, William Brinson, and recently leave a corporate job to pursue freelance work over several different areas. So Susan, thanks for being here today. Thank you. <laughs> so I want to start by introducing you a bit to the audience and anyone unfamiliar with you and your work. How do you describe what you do these days? I describe myself mostly as an art director, but if I'm in a situation where it's a blogging event or something along those lines, mm-hmm. then I'll describe myself as a blogger. And does that make you nervous at all to sort of have different job titles you're considering? Oh, yes. <laughs> describe what that what that like what is that nervousness and panic about for you? Well, my background's mostly in the corporate world, and whenever you work in the corporate world, everyone has these very specific things that they do. So it's easy to hire someone, you know exactly what someone does. 
you know what they're producing, and you can hire them based on that. And I think that with our multiple job descriptions and titles, it's difficult to say, well, what would you hire this person for? And whenever I introduce myself as a blogger, I make it a point to describe that I do the styling and art direction mm. and creative direction for our blog, and William does the photography, and we both do the writing. It's very important to say what we do for each element that we create. Absolutely. Um, did did you and Will is here in the studio, FYI. He's not mic'd up, but I might throw a question at him at some point. Um, did either of you guys grow up with parents that had sort of worked for the same company or did the exact same thing for a really long time? Yes. Yes. And and my my mom in particular couldn't believe <laughs> that, 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 that we're doing this. She just can't wrap her head around it. And I think that that sort of mentality, it, it, it was definitely very scary for me to walk away from it because you work in this job and, you know, I moved up in a very uh, lateral way where you do one job description and then you get promoted to the next one and the next one and the next one. And now that doesn't exist. It's gone. Um, so, yeah, there is definitely some pushback and, and really me rethinking what would define success. Mm-hmm. That's that's a great point to bring up because I think whatever that dish definition is for you is probably the most crucial thing to hold on to versus what someone might think of you if you have like right. too many different job titles or job titles that don't sound like they have the word senior in them or right. something. Manager. Um, <laughs> how, how long was it when you were working or how many years did you spend working a corporate job while you were doing House of Brinson at the exact same time? Almost four years. That's a lot. It's a lot of it's, it's, it's a, It was a long time and House of Brinson really allowed me to dip my toe into a pool where I was scared to go, but I could do anything for a blog. So it didn't really matter if it was successful or if it failed or whatever. It was just something that we were publishing on a weekly or, you know, even twice a week. If we were on, if we were really busy, sometimes we'd skip a week. So it was something we were doing just for the fun of it. And it grew into a job, essentially. Let's talk about your sort of career path trajectory from school onward, because I want to sort of figure out where all these school or where all these skills came from and where they've all kind of grown and evolved into who you are now and the different sort of areas you can cover as a professional. Um, Start with school. Where did you go for school and did you study the things that you're working on now? Uh, Yes. uh, William and I both went to Savannah College of Art and Design. We're actually high school sweethearts, so we did not meet (laughs) in college. Everyone else is that. Um, We both went to Savannah College of Art and Design. Um, My major was in graphic design. There was not an advertising major there back in the day. And William went for photography. So I started my career in New York as a graphic designer working for a boutique agency. Uh, One half of the agency was luxury travel, and um, the other half was financial services. And after that, I got a job at a larger agency who specialized in financial services. And through probably a 10 years, I eventually ended up doing management only, where I was managing 13 people, working with a Fortune 100 corporate client. And I really wasn't producing anything creative. And, and at that mark is whenever we started House of Brinson, I said, I have to make something with my hands. I think that's an interesting point that you were kind of driven to that by something you felt the need to do. Mm -hmm. Um, I think it's so interesting because to me, that's what underlies all these sort of current new climate of artists who have multiple titles is people who feel that they're not entirely satisfied in whether it's their day job or even just the freelance job that they're currently doing. They feel I maybe I'm working as a painter, but I also want to be sculpting or I also want to be writing or whatever that drive is. Um, What was it or was it a series of things that gave you the confidence to kind of take that leap to leave a corporate job and pursue different things? I guess it was a series of things. Um, We had been producing some work and I would see it 
in big places. Mm. I'd see it knocked off in big places. Oh, knocked off in big well, places. Well, you know, okay. someone someone taking an idea that that we had done in a very small space in our blog. We knew that certain people were reading it. Yeah. And then we'd see it produced in a much bigger platform with a different team. And whenever you see that, you're like, I'm doing something right. <laughs> I, I'm doing something right where people, I'm not putting myself out there to be, a, you know, for them to know that I can do this for them. So I think that it's important to let people know that they can hire you. Mm-hmm. Um, that, And I think that through a blog, that's something that we're working on is taking the blog and our professional lives and combining them together. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, whenever you see someone... You're an idea that you had and you're like, hey, that's a good idea that someone else wanted to knock it off. You're like, it's kind of a compliment. It is. I mean, I think it's wonderful that you guys have sort of the confidence and the foresight to look at that as a positive thing and not just something <laughs> to let you crumble. Um, I think that's something we run into a lot with sort of smaller scale makers. Is mm-hmm. that they see something they're doing used in a larger way. They don't see that as sort of like, in a way, a back end compliment that what you're doing is great and popular yeah. and people want to do the exact same thing. Um, can you tell us a little bit about what was the process like for actually leaving your job to go do this? How long did you plan? Were there any sort of steps you put into place to make it? Yes, and I'll probably this is probably going to be a very uh, interesting answer. So the company that I worked for had a large corporate client who was making a lot of internal changes. And I had a team of 13 between 10 and 13 people against that one client. And they were making a lot of internal changes, and I had a feeling that it was going to affect the business that I was working on Mm. and that layoffs would be in the near future. So um, being a manager, um, I definitely... You know, I really liked working with my team and I love them as people. And I let them know, like, this isn't forever. Mm. And be prepared, be flexible. So as the layoffs started happening, I would walk into work and I'd be like, pick me. (laughs) Pick me. (laughs) And it was just kind of this, most people would be mortified at this, but it was something that I actually wanted to happen. And William and I had been talking in the background about when this does happen, how are we going to react? And Mm -hmm. we had a plan in place. It was a very, very smooth transition to me. And the day that I got laid off, I called him and I'm like, guess what? (laughs) And I was laughing about it. I'm like, guess what? I got laid off. It's the best thing ever. And you know, it's one of those things where I just wanted to play my cards right and sit and wait for the thing, the right thing to happen. Because I don't know that I would have walked in there and quit. I don't know that I would have done it. And uh, even though I know I should have, but it was a much more scarier prospect to do that for some reason for me, because probably because I had worked there for so long, and I had a team Mm -hmm. that I felt responsible for. So um, that was the best thing that could have ever happened. I think it's wonderful that sort of the stable job, the thing that I think most people in our community are trying to find is actually was the unstable thing. That's right. That forced you or not forced you, but sort of led you into a freelance life. Because I think that people look at somebody who does multiple things or maybe across multiple disciplines as, as something that feels unsure or not something you can really get solid ground on. But I think more and more, the more nimbly and more nimble you can be, the quicker you can work, right. the broader range of skills you have the more able you are to sort of pick up work, whether it's on a freelance basis or to be hired. Absolutely. And, you know, whenever, you know, we're taking a step back right now and looking at how our business is structured and we're looking at different prongs. Like I really enjoy teaching. It's something that I Mm. honestly enjoy doing. So that's an area of our business that we're going to build out. We're going to make information available to people because I think the photography industry, it's, it can be a little closed sometimes and Mm -hmm. there's not a lot of information online and it's becoming more accessible, but that's something that 
we're going to make an effort to be part of. And then, of course, our, our traditional photography clients and um, also the blog. So we're mm-hmm. going to look at it in a multi-pronged situation. I'm glad you mentioned clients because that's one thing I'm always curious about is that especially bloggers, I mean, for the most part, the only like quote unquote clients I have, I guess would be advertisers. And for the most part, I find that they don't care so much about what my title is, how many different things I do, whether or not I call myself senior, whatever. (laughs) Um, And I don't think I've ever called myself any sort of official title other than founder. And people have never had a problem with that. But I'm coming from an online business and sort of a very different community. Have you ever had a client that's sort of a, a larger company that's hiring you to photograph something or style something? Have you ever had them express any sort of trepidation or seem uneasy about the fact that you maybe do five or six different things? Not yet, but I'm I'm sure that I know that me as a hiring manager, that's something in, in my mind that I would have had a concern about. Mm. So I can imagine that even if people aren't expressing it, it could be a concern. Um, and ultimately, it, it really boils down to the work that people produce. Mm. And can they reproduce that? Are they professional? Can they reproduce that work in a, in a you know, controlled setting? Um, that's something that I hope that people just circle back to rather than focusing on the title is the history of uh, performance. Mm-hmm. I think that's a great point to make. And I think the reason that going back to when I was talking about in the introduction, Jessica Reed explaining like today I'm a writer and today I'm a baker or whatever it is, mm-hmm. that confidence she had that was sort of underneath the explanation she gave me. She didn't go, um, well, sort of sometimes like I feel like that setup kind of expresses that someone's not entirely sure about what they do or they're not confident about what they're doing. But I think for someone to say like, hey, I'm a baker who's also a really great writer and I'm also really great at this. So Mm -hmm. I do all these things and I'm really proud about the work I put into all those categories. I think the fact that if you can back it up with great work and you can back it up with the sort of confidence you need to say, I do like three different things really, really well and I don't feel bad about that. I think that can be a selling point for a lot of people. Well, absolutely. And that's that's what building a great career platform is about because if there's an area or an industry or something that collapses, you can do multiple Mm. things. I mean, there are people who, like you said, who have worked at the same job for 30 years, and then all of a sudden that company goes out of business, and you go and you try and get another job, and you don't have the right skill set anymore. And that, to me, is a very scary thing. So I'd rather you know, have my hands in too many things than to not have a, the correct skill set. Absolutely. How do you guys feel, um, you know, work, working in photography and styling about younger people coming up today? Do you feel like they should be trying to understand skills outside of one's particular area if they're studying photography? Should they also be studying styling? Should they also be studying, you know, all the other facets of that come with a photo shoot? Or should they just be focusing on one thing? Well, photography is a very technical profession. There's there's a lot of technicality with photography and it people you can't forget that. Like you have to be able to technically produce the work. And then there's the aesthetics part, the style part that comes into it. So if you're a great aestheticist, if you know what you want visually, I would you know encourage people to study that and making sure that your work is original and that's something that we're actually looking at because we feel like the market is very visually oversaturated mm-hmm. right now and people are producing a lot of the same looking work um, which is going to trigger us to make a change Absolutely. and do something completely new so I would just stay up on trends and stay up on what's happening and make sure that you're doing work that you're proud of it's a good tip to go to a break on we're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back and we're going to talk about the ways to actually stay up on things <laughs>
emerging design? Check out Of A Kind, a site that sells the pieces and tells the stories of up-and-coming makers. The site has featured over 200 designers and offers limited edition pieces you can't find anywhere else, along with the studio tours, travel guides, even recipes from the designers. To find out more, head to ofakind.com and sign up for the site's newsletter. Hey, welcome back to After the Jump. I'm your host, Grace Bonney, and today I'm speaking with Susan Brinson of House of Brinson. We've been talking about the changing nature of jobs, the definitions, the titles, and the way that people no longer define themselves by one particular skill, but instead have learned a range of things they can offer to potential clients or customers. Uh, Before the break, we were talking about sort of the importance of staying up on trends and what's happening so that you can not only sort of be a part of what's happening and be one of the players that's important, but also know when to sort of zig when other people zag so that you're offering something different and something special. Um, How do you guys stay up on trends and sort of what's happening in your industry? I am a watcher of what goes online. (laughs) Maybe a stalker, I don't know. Um, you know, I, I just think it's a matter of, of really saturating yourself. You know, so I've, I've had a couple of conversations with friends where they're like, oh, I don't want to look at too much Instagram. I don't want to mm. look at too much, too many blogs or read too much stuff online. But that's how I keep up. And especially because we just moved to a really rural area outside of New York City. I'm not in the city pounding the pavement every day. So I don't get to see the fashion and, um, you know, what people are doing, what people are reading. So that for me, that that's definitely how I keep up. And it's just a very, very long list. And I try to be very diverse and look at what's going on in Europe as well. Mm-hmm. And how do you sort of define for yourselves when is that tipping point when you feel like, okay, everyone's doing this sort of work right now. We need to start pushing ourselves in a different direction. When I, for, when I look at something and I'm like, boring, boring, <laughs> boring. And, I, and, and you know, it is definitely a critical side of me. It's, it's the strategist in me that's like, all right. That's boring, boring, boring. And and I just keep looking at it, and I, I'm, I'm totally bored with it. So that's when you know you have to move on. Mm-hmm. And that's personal. That's it, That can either be your own personal work. It can be other people's work. Whenever you start seeing other people's work look exactly the same, it's time to do something different. And where do you find the confidence to do that? Because I think it's difficult to like open up a magazine and then mm-hmm. see, okay, every photograph in Bon Appetit is like going for really dark photography, really like, right. saturation and high contrast and all of this stuff that we're seeing in Instagram and mm-hmm. like a very similar color palette. How do you decide, okay, I know this is because it's in the paper. This is what that publication wants. How do I get right. the confidence to move away from that? You know, it's just being gutsy. It's, it really is being gutsy and hoping that someone's on the hiring side is going to be an advocate for you and going to have the guts to say, let's try this out. Let's see where this goes. Because, you know, and, and what's interesting for us is that we've been doing a very similar style of photography for a long time. And then we start to see that being oversaturated mm-hmm. and and that a lot of people are doing it. And for me, that's an instant. I don't want to do this anymore. Yeah. Um, so it's not, and, and our style principles are going to stay the same. Our aesthetics will stay the same. But the look might change a little bit, and it's going to move in a different direction. And you just hope that you can work with either publications or clients who are as forward-thinking as we are. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm curious, since we're talking about sort of Instagram and photography trends, what do you guys think, or do you think, that the trend in terms of internet photography of food, since you guys work in food so often, do you think it will move away from the classic overhead Instagram shot of a bowl of whatever that we seem to see everywhere? Or do you think that maybe Instagram has discovered the ideal way to present food? Um, I think that if you're just, if you're a person out with your friends and you're photographing your meal because you want to show you're having a good time and express what you like, 
an overhead shot is a very easy way to take an attractive picture. And I guess that there's nothing wrong with it, but there's also nothing innovative about it either. So it depends if you want to take it, if your goal is to take an attractive picture or if your goal is to be an innovator. Mm. So, yeah, I mean, Instagram for me is really fascinating because everyone's a photographer with an iPhone camera or mm-hmm. whatever kind of you know camera phone you might have. And uh, it's, it's some place that I definitely look for trends mm-hmm. and As- to see what people are responding to and interested in. Absolutely. Um, I want to talk back up a little bit and talk about sort of this change where we're all sort of embracing the idea of doing different things. You're not just a photographer. You're also a stylist. You're not just an art director. You're also somebody who can write. Um, do you think this change is something specific to maybe our generation? Do you think this is something that's happening only in metropolitan areas and we're kind of talking to ourselves about this issue? Or do you think it's something happening to people in the creative field in particular? I think it's something happening in the creative field. And I've had the pleasure, like I said, of moving out of New York City and seeing everyone with, you know, jobs mm-hmm. and, and, and a very predictable career, which there's nothing wrong with that. But, you know, we were took our dog to the vet the other day and everyone in there, I'm like, wow, you know, they come to work here every day. And I was thinking about their life experience. And I think that for creative people, you you need to evolve. You need to see that evolution. And if you're working in a very confined setting like I was working in an office and at one point I had an office with no window and it was just like you know blaring music no window it was just this very confining situation where I wasn't feeling creative so yeah I think that creative people just like to have control over their own career and and likes and dislikes Mm -hmm. it's interesting last week I was in Madison Wisconsin to talk to a design group there about like the nature of change on the internet and how Mm -hmm. it can be terrifying but that it's ultimately a really great thing and on the drive we flew into Chicago and then drove to Madison I was driving with Julia and she was saying you know like my mom has worked in publishing it forever and this is not a new thing Grace like this has been happening for a while (laughs) creative people have always been the people who had to solve problems yes had to find a way to completely flip things upside down or make it work when things just weren't what they used to be anymore Mm -hmm. Um, do you think this change has always been there do you think that sort of even looking back people who were let's say art directors in the 80s were still kind of wearing lots of different hats at the office oh definitely definitely um the pleasure of uh, chatting with someone the other day who used to work in the publish in magazine industry in the eighties. And, um, you know, he was telling me about all these crazy photo shoots that he went on where he was like working with a photographer and managing the celebrity and what was going on in the back room. And he was like doing all of these things. And ultimately at the end of the day, he had one title, but he was responsible for a lot of stuff and, and really producing a good product. So I think that it was still happening, but there was a lot more corporate money behind it at the time. Mm-hmm. You know, there was always a large entity that was driving that. And today I see those larger entities being much more conservative. So mm-hmm. if there is, you know, true innovation, it's being done on a much smaller scale. I, I think one interesting thing to think about, and I'm curious to see what your experience has been with this, is that I find that people I know who still have like large corporate jobs, whether they're working for Condé Nast or a publishing company or even just a larger brand like AOL or something like that, they're being asked to do several different things, whether it's know how to do social media well, how to be a stylist, how to take photos for things, but they're not being paid extra for being agreed five different jobs um and so in some way that what seems like stability and what seems like protection of having this job at a large company in some ways isn't actually any better protection because you're not being paid extra to do those 10 new things you learn whereas if you're working freelance you might have the opportunity to get separate jobs from those separate skills do you think that's happening or do you think that it's still kind of the same thing at those oh definitely i i definitely see that happening especially 
as we see a younger generation come into the job market, um, they're being asked to be good at a lot of different things, and I almost can't. Yeah. I almost can't get over it. Um, I always encourage people to have personal passions and personal projects. Like if I, I love social media, and so I am personally interested in it, but. Whenever you start going to a job and you have one job title and you're being asked to perform five different tasks, if a company doesn't make it easy for you to leverage that in your career trajectory, mm-hmm. you know, what benefit does that have for you? And also, are they providing training? There's, there's all kinds of questions that come to my mind, but I definitely see this happening quite a bit. Yeah, I, I just think it's going to be interesting to watch this develop because I think that as people, whether they're forced into working freelance or kind of taking the leap on mm-hmm. their own, I think they are going to start to see that those skills, while it takes more work to turn them into more money, I think you have the opportunity to turn those into more income than if you do if you stay with a traditional company because those companies aren't necessarily seeing those skills as added assets to the team. They're just seeing that as like, okay, you can do those things, so we're going to hand Great. them to you now. Or also, too, if a company does a reduction in, in staff then you are paid the same amount and you're asked to take on more responsibility. So there's always that reverse (laughs) scenario as well. Exactly. Um, What do you think is the hardest part about not having a traditional job or job description? I'd say defining success, Mm. like really defining success. And for me, getting up every morning and managing my own schedule and not having to go in and work, you know, nine to six, nine to seven, whatever it is, is is my definition of success. Mm-hmm. Of course, there's always the financial definitions of success. Um, you know, we really love our home. We like to make investments in that. So having that as a luxury to me is another definition of success. So I would encourage people that if they're thinking about make, taking a leap, really think about before you do it, what would you view as success? Like what would make you proud to talk to someone and say, hey, I achieved this. I have a bucket list of clients that I want to work for. <laughs> it's like my personal secret bucket list. And there's a, and it's a list. And some of them are silly. Like I just want to work for that person. Mm-hmm. And uh, so whenever that happens, I get excited. I'm like, this is awesome. I think it's a great point to make. And I'm glad you brought that up because I think a lot of times when we talk about this issue of maybe not having a dream job or struggling with you know different job definitions, but you're still working on your own, some of the common sort of kick back I get online is like, oh, these are, and I hate this phrase, first world problems. And like, these are people, you're, you're getting to do what you love. Like, stop complaining about it. You're making it work. But I think that there are some very real and difficult decisions being made here when you work freelance that people aren't considering is that insurance isn't a given for you. A paycheck isn't a given for you. All yeah. these things are up in the air and it's your responsibility to make them happen in a way that allows you to live the way you have chosen to live. Oh, absolutely. I mean, there's, there's not really anyone who's going to help you. I mean, it's really your own personal network. Mm -hmm. You know, you can't expect to get health insurance or a retirement fund, for example. Mm -hmm. Whereas if you worked at a traditional company, you would have those options. They'd probably be providing that service for you. We have to set it all up on our own. And then we have to figure out whenever we're charging a fee for something, how much does it cost us to get up in the morning and really run our business? How Mm -hmm. much does it cost for us to exist every day? Um, What's the best thing about living in this sort of new environment where there are multiple job titles and things are changing. What do you think is like the most positive part of this? I can be as inventive as I want. (laughs) (laughs) And, and I'm an idea person. Like I love coming up with just really what might seem at the time, a random idea. And then you see that come to fruition and you see it work. I mean, our blog was like some random idea. Like we're like, Hey, why don't we start a blog? That sounds really cool. We could photograph whatever we want. There's no one around. We could just do whatever we felt like. And we did it and actually worked. So 
I don't know. I, I just love the idea of coming up with whatever we feel like doing and seeing if it works. And if it doesn't work, fine. There's not a lot of, you know, love lost there. Mm-hmm. We only have a few minutes left, so I want to ask you some rapid-fire questions All right. to end off. Um, I want to talk about online inspiration first. So for people listening who admire what you're doing and want to sort of figure out what your process is for getting expired, this is where they're going to get answers. So can you share some of your favorite sources for online inspirations, whether they're blogs, Instagram feeds... YouTube shows, anything like that? Where are you going to get excited these days? Um, I'll give you a very wide. Um, I love what's happening in Australia mm. in the photography industry. Um, there are uh, obviously like you could you could look up uh, Australian stylists, Australian photographers. Really fascinating because New York used to be based on everyone was a specialist. Mm. In Australia, it's culturally different, whereas everyone's a generalist. And it allows people to explore more Um, different types of photography like you could be photographing still life and photographing people so I'm very inspired by what's going on in Australia on an aesthetic basis on a work ethic basis everything Um, I also look for smart business moves like I'm a reader of ad age and um, you know any business insider any kind Mm -hmm. of business uh, publication and I look for people who are taking kind of a moot situation and inventing it into something new and profitable for them that's great. Well, it leads right into my next question, which can you name some people or businesses you think are great examples um, in the creative field that you're looking up to right now or you think are making those smart moves? Hmm. I think that Williams-Sonoma is doing a very good job ah. as a company, um, particularly their Williams-Sonoma brand. Uh, West Elm's doing an excellent job. Mm-hmm. I keep my eye on what they're doing. Uh, they're just approaching... What they're what they're not what they're what they're not doing they're not scared to do that I think everyone else is scared to do is that they're really selling a lifestyle, mm. and a lot of people are selling a product, and whenever I see like a furniture company and I just saw a new furniture company come out and if I would have taken the logos off of the two companies I wouldn't have been able to tell them apart. Oh, okay. So people are producing like a lot of the same, but I think that Williams Sonoma is really l- reaching out to people on a lifestyle basis and then integrating their products into that. My last one is, what do you think is coming next in terms of jobs and careers in the creative field? Do you think that people are going to continue to diversify like this? Will we take cues from the Australian job market? Do you think this trend is going to keep going, or do you see something else coming next? I think it's going to keep going, and and really what's going to push it forward is when companies that are hiring creative people recognize it and hire people for the full full package. Um, You know, Especially, you know, in the editorial industry, normally it's a photographer hired, a stylist, a food stylist, then there's a writer and and even an editor. But whenever you're looking at, um, you know, combining some of those job responsibilities together, you can slim down your team, work in a really efficient way. And I think that's going to be the future. I think that's exciting. I'm Mm -hmm. very excited to see what you guys are up to next. Thanks so much for being here. Will, for being silent in the corner. Thanks for being (laughs) here, too. Um, For all of you listening, you can visit both of the Brinsons at houseofbrinson.com or over on Instagram at Instagram slash houseofbrinson. Thanks so much for listening, and we'll see you next Wednesday at 1 p.m. Thanks for listening to this program on heritageradionetwork.org. You can find all of our archived programs on our website, or as podcasts in the iTunes store by searching Heritage Radio Network. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Heritage underscore Radio. You can email us questions at any time at info at heritageradionetwork.org. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization. To donate and become a member, visit our website today. Thanks for listening. <laughs>